0: Coach O, bitch. And you listen listening out there, antidote, antidote Sports remaster, Remix, Reloaded with your boy Belts, and that ain't crap. And, uh, you know, it's that early November. There's a time coming up when my former Ellis and Utah guys are going to whip up on them uh, Nick Saban team. And my Alabama Crimson Tide, they're going to be a, a crimson puddle. When we get done with them, we're going to whip their ass, baby. Go no Tigers. You know, I'm, I'm a little bummed out. My Yankees can't get a damn hit. You know, I mean, the only way they get on base is if it's an extra innings, you know, and they get a man on second. I mean, it, you know, it sucks. And, uh, you know, Philly beats them damn cheat You know, sorry about that drunk, neighbor, But, you know, I mean, I just, you know, a bad taste in my mouth, you know, when, when the Astros go down. You uh, know, you know, them Saints playing pretty good, baby. That, that offensive line is getting better, you know. Dalton doing a good job. Uh, that defense is crunk. And, uh, you know, you know, we coming, baby. Everything looking good. In the hood, because I am Coach O, bitch. Go Tigers. A lot of compute cycles will lose part of the system for a while. and there's a finite amount of memory. You can't use it for everything. We're going to compile for half an Go hour. Go ahead, all of you. We're approaching the Tyrannosaur product.
1: Welcome, my friends, to the Sports Antidote. I'm your host, Danny Belts, episode number 124, Pros... And Yukons. Oh, Bells, you're so smart. I think I see what you did there. Do you really? Sing it, Kenny. Say it right Kenny Loggins pipes in once again. Does it ever get old? You're thinking it does. I'm telling you, it doesn't. We have a full batting lineup today. Tommy Bench comes in at the end to make his political. He's making bets, ladies and gentlemen. Tommy Bench is getting it in here, and I kind of like it. This is great. Political gambling on the sports antidote is certainly nothing we'll put our nose up to. We'll bet on a T-ball game if we think we can win some money. The drunk neighbor is live in studio, and boy, he has a head of steam. This is his Super Bowl, LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia. Auburn's coach got fired before November. He got that right by one day. He said he won't be there in November. They fired him on Halloween. Good call from the drunk neighbor, and Bro Exotic comes back on again to defend his pick last week, which was just, oh man, wasn't too good for the bro. But he seems to, he seems to bounce back from these. Uh, you know, he seems to win one, lose one, and win another one. Maybe lose one. I don't know. Thanks to Coach Ed Ogeron for popping on the show as well. We always like to have Coach O on here, and because of the lineup and the depth in which Tommy Bench and the Drunk Neighbor will be getting into. Their wheelhouses, why we bring them on this show, I will limit my segment to compliment theirs. So I said last week, episode 124, a few times, you'll have to excuse me. I usually get the episodes wrong. I'm dyslexic. It's what I was told when I was young. So I'm going to go ahead and ride that wave and blame it on that. There is so much I want to talk about, but then again, Tommy Bench and the drunk neighbor will be doing that. So why go ahead and shed light on things that they're going to do a better job of anyway. Let's go over what happened last week real quick. Really interesting slate of games, kind of the way it all went down. We won more than we lost, but at the same time, this was just, uh, this could have been a lot better, I feel. We'll just go with the losers right now. So BYU-ECU, over 63, for the first time since 1968 in some Ivy League game featuring Yale, this is what really happened, there was four second-half turnovers Inside, both teams respected other opponents' 15-yard lines on a turnover on downs four to- excuse me, four times in the fourth quarter, not the second half. Did they turn the ball over on downs inside the other team's red zone? That was a tough pill to swallow. Nebraska, plus seven and a half. Nebraska hang- hung with Illinois throughout. They really weren't ever out of the cover zone until about the middle of the third quarter, and Illinois just kept kicking field goals. Nebraska played their ass off, but... Illinois, just too much for them. And I didn't think it'd be that easy just to take Illinois out there. And it most definitely was. We added one on late Nevada, under 44 and a half. And somehow that game got over like a hundred. So that was a really, really piss poor wager there. And it just, you know, there was some losses that just didn't really, didn't sit well with me. And then the wins, the Ravens won on Thursday night, of course. TCU went over in a Almost got a horrible beat there. They needed 17 points in the second half. Almost didn't get that. I got really lucky at the end there, and we'll take that. Houston USF went over immediately. Notre Dame dominated basically the entire football game, and the Saints did not let the Oakland Raiders cross the 50-yard line until there was two and a half minutes left in that game. The Saints, reminding everyone of what they can be, when they don't turn it over and they're healthy on the defensive side, it's going to take everything in me not to take the sinks again on Monday Night Football against the Ravens. But yet, I don't think that they can really weather that storm. We don't do well versus the Ravens historically. That was the Sean Payton era, but here nor there. They're making it easy for you to bet the Ravens, that's for sure, which usually would tell you want to go the other way, but I think we'll just be watching that one and not betting that one. So pros and Yukons. Yes, I'm going to talk about Yukon, some today. We haven't really touched on it in depth. I've brought them up on this podcast several times and they have been covering and they have been winning as well as covering winning outright and doing some things that no one in their mother in their right mind would expect Connecticut to do particularly in because, because of this situation that they're in. The situation is very unique in its own. We rarely see this and I'll get into that in a second. But before I set up exactly what's going on with UConn and the pros and Yukons, get it? Get it? Uh, you need to understand something that happened to me my senior year in college. And then I feel that will set up what I want to speak of in a better light. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Analyst. Reach out and touch a brother and tell somebody about the Sports Analyst today. So before you look at any decisions you're gonna make, it's actually not a bad idea to draw that line on a piece of paper, make a cross, put pros on one side, cons on the other, and list them. You know, when I do something like this for work, we do it with red flags and strengths. What red flags does this opportunity bring? What strengths do we have to counter these said red flags? It's pretty good practice. Very elementary and simple, however, extremely effective, particularly when you're trying to execute in the sales environment and get them to say yes and or sign on the line, which is dotted. Yes, we all know all the salesman belts going on and on. Not today, not today. As I have one I'm going to bring in, like I said, in a different light. But nonetheless, counting out your pros and cons certainly never hurt anyone. As a matter of fact, it actually brings a visual aid to some things that you may not understand subconsciously when you're not looking at it. Look, I'm kind of a concrete guy. I'm not exactly a visionary. I need to write things down to see them and sometimes when I see them, it enables me to understand foundationally what and why I'm going to do what I do next professionally, perhaps in my household, I have no idea. <clears throat> but it doesn't hurt to do these things and most would probably agree with that. While such a practice brings up a story from when I was a senior in college. And I know, you're rolling your eyes, another mother goose tale. Well, you know what? It happened and I'm going with it. No need to embellish on anything because this is just one of those situations you really just don't want to be in. I talked about this very situation almost two years ago during the pandemic when it happened to me once. Unfortunately, this has happened to me twice. I have not spoken about this one and this one is gonna bring a lot out as far as what is important about the pros and the Yukons or the cons, if you will. in the summer of 2005 or the spring of 2005, I had made good friends with a trainer at the West Ashley Fitness Center. This is where everybody worked out. There wasn't anybody. It was right outside of Charleston, kind of similar right from New Orleans, like how the 17th Street Canal divides Metairie from New Orleans proper. It's kind of the same thing. You just kind of cross over uh, the little, uh, not the bay, uh, just that, you know, the, the intercoastal, the, not the intercoastal, <laughs> a body of water that is the ocean crosses right over here into West Ashley. And then I stayed there for years. And, you know, my sophomore year, they had some special like ten ninety nine a month. Sign up now. You have that for life. And sure enough, it was ten ninety nine a month. And that's, uh, that's a pretty good price. I made a lot of friends at this gym. And one guy I made friends with was a personal trainer. His name was Brad. And he was just an all-American guy. Brad was the first person that I ever saw implement these medicine ball trainings to people. And it looked like it was really stupid, kind of woke for the time. Come to find out, this would be the wave of how athletes will train. You know, we see Breeze doing that a lot. When he was here, Kamara always has some sort of resistance, medicine ball, balance, core type thing. He was doing this with his people. He charged a lot of money, but there was like a waiting list to be, you know, on Brad's training sheet. He was full every single day he was there. But we struck up a, a friendship because he lived in Fountain Blue, Louisiana, which is just right across the lake from New Orleans. And he had some, you know, he's a Saints fan. So we just became friends. And over time, we became better friends and better friends. And he would give me some free advice, some free tips on things that were very effective. I was in really good shape. This man was in absolute ludicrous shape. Uh, top 10 I've ever seen in my life, aside from someone on television. This dude was about 6 foot, 190 pounds of absolute rock-solid American muscle. And he was also an extremely smart person when it came to nutritional aspects of fitness. See, there was a lot of misnomers out there about, oh, you can't eat too late, or, oh, I don't eat too many carbs. And this is during the thick of the Atkins craze. But this guy really had a handle and a degree in nutrition and he certainly had the physique to let you know he knew what he was talking about indeed. This guy's workout plans were crazy as he would draw up dietary plans for people depending on what they were. He'd even take a look at the blood work you do with the real nutritionist that was under kind of his LLC. It was a great program and that's why he was so busy all of the time. He was dating probably one of the hottest girls I had ever seen in my life. Not only was she a drop-dead gorgeous woman, She was in her late 20s. This guy was in his early 30s. She was also wildly successful. She had red hair. She was about six feet tall, spent a lot of time in the gym, and was not ugly at all. She could have beers with the guys. You could talk to her about anything. She was just awesome. And they were engaged to be married right around that March, and they were going to expedite this because her father was not doing so well battling pancreatic cancer, which is just a disastrous nightmare. And my heart went out to them and my cousin kind of did this. They got married a little early, heaven forbid, and one of my uncles not make it to see that. So they kind of had the same game plan and what they wanted to do. And I had made good enough friends with this guy over the years where he asked me to go to the wedding. And look, we had hung out a few times, but he kind of kept it professional. He didn't really hang out with that many people that were his clients and or a clientele of the gym that contracted him, which is typically a good idea. He wanted to keep it like teacher-student, and I totally respect that. But he's a huge Saints fan and LSU fan, so I mean, of course, we're just going to have these talks, and he didn't drink much at all, but we could hang out with his girlfriend or his fiancee, and we could watch games, and so we became doing that a lot, and that's why I was able to be invited to this guy's wedding. And they were decking it out and doing it big. Now, what's important for you to know is that her, um, she went by Afi. Uh Athy, so just kind of like Kathy without the K. And the reason why is because her name on her birth certificate was Athena. If you're going to name your kid Apollo or something along those lines like Major, your kid can't be some cuck, right? He has to be a stallion. And in her case, to name her daughter, or his daughter, Athena. They must've known this was coming if you didn't know Athena being the goddess of wisdom and hunting. She went by Athi, but her birth name was Athena. And when she introduced herself proper for the first time, she would say Athena and commanded a tremendous amount of authority and respect in nearly every room that she was in. As I said, she was wildly successful with working with her father's company. However, her father didn't give her anything as even though he was a multimillionaire, She had to come up through the grime like most smart parents will with a company, not just hand it off to their kids, but make them work for it. She was making like $30,000 a year for a couple years out of college. She went to Clemson. And, you know, it was just a really good thing for her. And I had an opportunity to get a sales job in New Orleans right around this time, as we're getting into the latter part of 2005. And, or in the spring at this point, you know, I'm going to graduate. Had an opportunity in New Orleans, which as you know, if you don't, did not happen because Katrina wiped them out a week before I was supposed to begin and I never got back with that company. She offered me an interesting, um, she me an interesting proposition. She said, look, I, you can't really teach sales experience. You want to be in sales. You have it. You have it. And you should work for our company. She was an operations gal, but one of their other cousins was the vice president of sales and I had met him before and it kind of made sense for me to have an interview And so that's what happened. This company, regardless of what they did, it was right up my alley. I was going to be very successful in this. And their training program was excellent. And I was really going to learn the ropes on how to execute in sales. And their company was spread out basically as far north as, you know, North Virginia. And it would stretch down to about Savannah, Georgia. So a pretty good geographical reach there in proximity. About 20 different locations, their corporate being in South Carolina. Wow, that was a mouthful of belts. Well, you have to know all that to understand what's coming here. So I had a really big heart for her as well. That didn't come out right. What I meant was, is I I liked her a lot. I appreciated how she handled herself. You know, I appreciate women in that that take care of themselves like that, and also just constantly command the respect of a room, not because of who their father is, but because how she executes her company strategy every single day in life. It's while the attractive. And I could see this couple was going to be an absolute, you know, power couple. And so it came to pass that I was going to start interviewing with these guys in April, a month before my graduation. And I was going to pit this one against the company New Orleans, see who gave me the best deal, figure out which one works the best. And then I'll just go to which one makes the most amount of sense for me. So after having some preliminary interviews, I was sent to Clemson, South Carolina. They told me to take my Honda and my talents to Clemson, South Carolina, For an all-day walkthrough at one of the facilities, and then a huge training the next day into an interview after that. You see, if I didn't train correctly and didn't do things correctly, there is no interview. This company did things the other way. They don't want you getting smart on their time, and they also don't want to exhaust company resources with expensive people they're paying to interview me if I'm a loser You'd think that's not a good concept. It's a wildly great concept. And most of the kids that would start here would not even come out of the training to get interviewed. (laughs) You know, it's like getting out of the minors, you get to the majors, but you have a 15-day contract. You have to prove yourself again. I thought it was a great business model. And I imagine they still carry that today, although a lot has changed and a lot would change there shortly. So I was driving up to Clemson in my 1998 blue Honda Accord at the time, When I was told that the meeting place was going to change, she called me, Athie called me and said, look, I know we're supposed to do this here. Some things came up. We need you to go to a different location. We need you to go to Roanoke, Virginia to do that up there. She said, it's not the most ideal situation, but it will work. And if you are, you know, worthy, we'll figure this out and we'll make you an offer after the interview if we even get to that point. Sure, fine. I had off the whole week. Uh, So what I did was, is I made my way. Up to Roanoke, Virginia, to find out that it was going to be not held there. There was some serious miscommunication here, and then it was actually going to be held over in Tennessee. Outside of Knoxville, I did a ludicrous amount of driving, but I went to Knoxville because the vice president of sales wanted me to meet him there. And Athy did not know that I would be going to that location where they barely even had a facility. It didn't matter. We were going to do it there anyway. So after all of this, they even compensated me a few hundred dollars for my times of trouble, paid for my mileage, put me up, took me to a nice dinner, nice hotel, a Hilton garden, I believe. And it was nice. And that night uh, I was in the hotel and just kind of prepping for what I was going to be doing the next day. I went into the interview process completely prepared for once in my life, I guess, and hit the ball out of the park. We even got to the part where I'd be offered a job post-interview post-interview, and I most certainly was. And for all intents and purposes, I was probably going to accept this role. So that night, we've all been here before, right? You ever just like want a really big bet and you want to get drunk like slow? You're just by yourself. You're savoring the moment. You're sipping on your wine, your beer, your liquor, whatever, and you're just taking it in. You know, maybe you just Crushed a monster sale like the drunk neighbor just did. And he just wants to sit back, maybe turn the TV down, maybe turn the TV off, open up his back door, listen to the birds chirp as the sun goes down as he drinks some expensive whiskey on the rocks. Or maybe neat, I'm not sure. But either way, we all know what I'm talking about. I used to love doing this. And this is one of those situations where I'm in the hotel bar, sitting in the lobby, enjoying a drink that they were paying for. They opened up a tab. And I was going to be able to keep going with that. And I was by myself. Everybody from the company had left. I was going to basically stay the night here, have some fun in a little city outside of Knoxville. And that was basically going to be it for that. And I was probably going to accept this role. And I'm sitting there in the lobby and Effie walks in and I look over and I was like, well, I didn't expect to see her. She must know that I'm here. She must know that I'm here and wanted to come congratulate me on what an amazing job I did and what an amazing person I am. And aren't I, by the way? Only problem is she didn't know I was there because she kind of walked right past me and she did not notice me at all. Um, Did not know that I was going to be here uh, because I was here kind of on a false pretense. They really didn't have a presence here. And she spent no time at locations like this because what they were doing operationally would only come into the established locations. And this is kind of the redheaded stepchild that she never really goes to um, at all. So she walks past me and I see her go over to the bar. She gets a drink. And she's walking towards the elevator, and some guy kind of comes up, meets her halfway, and they hug. It looks like they know each other, and I'm just watching this. You see where this is going, right? So I'm watching this, and, then, and kind of like, okay, yeah, she knows someone. And then you see what happened is, is she kissed him on the lips and got in the elevator, and then they went up. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, like, that's her brother. I don't know. Maybe they just, like, do some family tradition where they kind of kiss on the lips. I mean, she's Greek. I think they do that. It kind of makes sense. I watch my big, fat Greek wedding. I think, opa, And then they kiss, kiss all over the place, right? I guess. I don't know. I just started playing devil's advocate. There's no way she's this stupid to do this here, even though she knows I'm not here. You don't shit where you eat, right? She's not that stupid. She's way too smart for this. Maybe she's just, you know, hanging out here, it's nothing. Forget you saw that belt. Let's go about your business. So I'm still sitting there relaxing by this fireplace and this lovely Hilton property in the country. When she comes down, but this time she's in something a lot more comfortable, looking like more of PJs. You could easily just derobe if you wanted to. And then she gets two drinks on a tray and a bottle of wine from the bar, puts it to the room, and then goes back up. And now it's kind of dawned on me that bottle of wine and the two drinks and the two glasses she had is not just for her. This is not good. I went over to the hotel desk and kind of played stupid and asked the question, I'll spare you this part. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, she's here all the time. I've seen that guy before. It was just really bad and I kind of understood what was going on here. Now I could go on and on and on about this, but I won't because we're constrained with time and honestly, I don't really need to do this. But this this put me in a very, very, very awkward position. Why? I like I like him. He's a good guy, okay? I like him a lot, and they're supposed to get married. It's going to be awesome, and I like her a lot. Why? Because she saw something in me and put her neck out there and got me these interviews, and I'm probably going to be working for their company, living on this side of the country where I love, and this is awesome, but when you weigh out the pros and the cons here, it gets a little complicated, right? I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do, so the next day, I went to someone I drove back to Charleston, and I got in touch with a guy in about his mid-30s who was a friend of mine. I drove him out of my life in about a year like I did most people, being as where I'm just kind of insane. But this is before that had happened. I told him everything that I saw, and this guy is really, really smart. He didn't have many questions for me. He just said, are you sure? And I said, yes, because this ain't exactly something you can miss on, right? This ain't reality TV. This is the real deal. You can't miss on this. Remember Omar Little from The Wire? You come at the king, you best not miss. You come at the king or the queen in this position here, you best not fucking miss. You can't. So after I told him everything, he just got a piece of paper. He let it all digest, and he drew a line one way and a long down the other way in a piece of paper. One side said pros, one side said cons, and we went at it. Man, the cons of bringing this to my buddy's attention were just cavernous it kept going and going there was a thousand things on the cons list it took me 45 minutes to get through the con side of things and then we got to the pros and there really wasn't many i think there was about four but there were two that really stuck out to me the first one was it's just the right thing to do <laughs> that's a tough one to get past Even morally depraved and as crazy as I was at that age, I still had some sense of loyalty to guys that I liked somehow. And that was a tough one for me to get by, albeit there was a hundred things on the other side of that page. And then there was another one on there that I'll never forget. He ended up talking to me about this and as he wrote this one down, I just almost like said, God damn it, how can I not? It's would he do the same for you? And the answer to that question, unfortunately, is yes. I could do a whole show on making the right decision or making the tough decisions. You know, it's so funny because I was putting my notes together for this a couple days ago and The Rock was on. You know The Rock, right? Sean Connery, Nick Cage. Great movie, cult classic, made a ton of money. Horrible acting by Nicolas Cage once again, but his horrible acting is what kind of made him famous And I love most of the movies that he's in, but do you remember when the president of the United States had to make that decision, whether or not he was going to bow down to the terrorism and or take out that island, you know, the rock, take the whole thing out in Alcatraz. And he kind of was pitting back and forth what he was gonna do. And then he said this.
0: We are at war with terror. Fighting war means casualties. This is the worst call I've ever had to make. air approved.
1: And in making that decision, albeit a movie, you know, the lesser of the evil or the greater of the good would be to take everybody out at once, you know, on in Alcatraz, American citizens, the terrorists, everyone. The point I'm trying to make is that it was kind of the same decision with me. What am I going to do? And these pros on this side are so many, but they're so powerful, but goddammit, it, the other side of this list with so many, so many things listed, listed down, boom, 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 boom. But the problem with the cons list, as he brought to light the guy that I approached, was most of the cons were all the things that would affect me. And the reason why we're doing this isn't really for me. And I'm one of the most selfish peoples you have ever met in your life, selfish person. I mean, this is kind of how I've gone about things for a long time. But even then, I was able to understand that this is not about me. If I do this, there's no going back. There's no going back. You're not getting that job. You'll probably take the one down in New Orleans, which you still want to do anyway. These guys are not going to get married. And you are going to ignite a nuclear warhead the size of an 18-wheeler. Because all this is going to do is destroy everything. But I couldn't get past that one that just hit me. Would he do the same for you? The answer, like I said, was yes. And there was no doubt what was happening here. Now, I had to make a tough decision. We don't even need to talk about what happened after that. You can use the context clues. I never worked for that company. And I took the company down in New Orleans, who would then be destroyed by a hurricane nearly as I got in town. Uh, Pretty, pretty absurd and pretty horrible how that went down for me, but then again, this ain't really about me now, is it? Because when you list up the pros and the cons of something, unfortunately for us, if you really want to do this the right way and the pros and the cons aren't about structurally the thing that begins with you, yourself, it's if it's about someone else, themselves or herself, whoever, himself, then this makes this a lot more complicated because now you can't really be selfish. You actually have to be real. You have to be objective and you have to make the difficult calls even if it is blowing up an island in a movie with citizens and tax paying citizens and innocent people along with the terrorists. There's gonna be always destruction and war regardless of what war it is or when it happened. But normally most of these wars are fought so something better can come of it later like a controlled burn out West something along those lines. It still gives me goosebumps and almost makes me sick to talk about this and I never really do because I don't need to. I don't even need to do that on here. Nor do I really care if it entertains you or not, but it does set up a good example of when you're looking at something on the pros and the cons and you just can't get past something, sometimes you have to really step outside the box and realize, well, the reason we're doing this isn't really about me, now is it? Which brings me to what I wanna talk about with the University of Connecticut. When I'm deciding whether or not I'm gonna take a game or not, I actually kind of do something like this. I'll actually write down the pros and the cons just in a different way. What I really like to do is, is go, how can I be wrong? Let's look at this. Like If I like LSU getting points against Alabama this week, which you know I don't, but let's say I did, then okay, now let's go into the Alabama shoes. Why would somebody want to bet Alabama here? And usually you'll find two pretty compelling sides to either bet or either story or narrative you want to use for the bet that you're about to make. Well, it, there's a few things that need to be done, and that's a good practice. That is a good practice. And sometimes some cons will come that you didn't really account for, right? That, that's, that's going to happen. I'm only really mad about this because I didn't get on UConn from the beginning. I looked at their win total at two and a half and just really believe in Jim Moore Jr. I always have. He did a great job with Atlanta. He got thrown under the bus um, for two or three different reasons. He did a good job in UCLA when that program was disaster and they went to New Highs. How'd that work, by the way? Guy can coach. He's old school like his father, all right? He likes to run the ball. They like to play defense. They don't make mistakes. And these are things in the collegiate level, if you can do even at a level of UConn, you will find success. But the way they've done it is almost astronomically impossible. And that's what I want to talk to you about. UConn in particular, two pros and Yukons. Get it? <laughs> so when looking at UConn, you know, betting them is a tough decision, right? Because there's a lot of things going on there. Now, we've been riding them like Seattle Slough, except for last week when they played Boston College. Why? I did not think that they could do what they did. They were getting double digits, They had Boston College. Here's a P5 team, a Boston College team that beat Louisville. And if you want to play the transitive property, a Louisville team that just destroyed Wake Forest. Ergo, right? And Wake Forest and and UConn beat Boston College. So ergo, (laughs) UConn's better than Wake Forest. No. But what I'm saying is that there is certainly a lot to look at here with what they did last week. Still kicking myself for not getting on their win total, looking at them for so long and not doing anything, and then betting them last week. And they're in probably the best spot of the year to take them. UConn has been winning for their first win was the one I told you about versus Florida International, where they were favored for the first time in like five years in a football game on the road, no less. Went down there and hammered International. And then they had a bye week. They played Ball State after that. Ball State really good in that Mac in their weight class. UConn led the entire football game. Gave up 12 points in the fourth. They didn't score one on a special team's touchdown. They lost by five. They covered easily. The cover was never in jeopardy. And then last week, hosting Boston College and relegating them to three points, less than 100 yards rushing, less than 250 yards of total offense, and much like the Raiders versus Saints, Boston College only crossed the 50-yard line once. That is not luck. You don't do that, and it's not luck. That's just owning somebody. And UConn just was fine to run the football to the 45-yard line and pin them back in there and rinse and repeat till the game was over. They scored 10 points in the first. That's all they would need, a final of 13-3. to The lowest offensive production Boston College has had in six years. You have to go back to when they played Alabama out of conference. They could not do anything versus this team, and there's a reason why. I can clearly see it. But before we talk about that, let's talk about the pros and the Yukons here. What are the Yukons of betting Yukon? Well, here's the here's for starters. They have a bunch of walk-ons on their team. This isn't Rudy. This isn't some movie. You could not have walk-ons. Texas Tech did this with a kicker once with Mike Leach. Penn State kind of did this when they had their hit with losing all the recruiting because Joe Paterno's riding in hell right now for knowing that Sandusky was raping boys in the ass and did nothing about it. That's exactly what happened. But Bill O'Brien was still able to come in there and do some winning. That's very impressive to me. O'Brien is a better coach than people think. But in this case, Mora has a ton of walk-ons. They only have limited scholarships. They have limited facilities. They're barely holding on to their program. The American Conference had to ask them to leave because it was so bad. No one goes to the UConn games. They're going on the road. One time they came down to Tulane and lost by 65 points. 65 points in a conference. Vanderbilt won't get beat like that going to Georgia. They just were not competitive anymore. They need a program restructure. We talk about it a lot. The drunk neighbor's going to roll his eyes. But a culture change had to be brought to Connecticut, and it was. The minute that man stepped on campus... And now, and not after beating the piss out of the win total for Las Vegas, which is a very difficult thing to do, Willie Fritz did this in mid-October. Tulane over five and a half wins. They might win the goddamn conference. LSU with Brian Kelly over under six and a half wins. They could probably even somehow get to the playoffs. If they beat Alabama, it's on. They'll be favored by double digits versus Texas A&M and Arkansas, and they'll win both those games. They might win out. They could win out. And see Georgia or Tennessee And if LSU plays Tennessee again, uh, you don't even know where my money's going there. I'm getting it in again on LSU. That's a whole other story. Uh, Hopefully we get to that. I want another piece of them. And I'm still, I got to give it to Hooker. That guy's really good. And so is Tennessee and all of this. But Jim O'Reilly Jr. deserves a look for coach of the year. When you think of coach of the year, what do you think of? For me, it's simple. Who did the most with the least? Name me a player or a coach, a team that has done more with walk-ons. They have a walk-on white boy at fucking defensive back. They're not BYU. You do not have white guys walk on to play defensive back. I'm sorry. You're going to lose. They do, and they win. It's unbelievable. Not only do they win, they suffocate Boston College, a P5 team who's got a couple good wins this year, and humiliate them. Humiliate them. Run it all over them. It was very similar to what App State did to Texas A&M. Just keep the ball the whole time. Constant cucking. A three and a half hour extra solid cucking. A missed Doubtfire cucking. And the thing here is that makes it so interesting is they continue to get better and better. And you look at what side of the fence you want to be on with UConn when the pros and the Yukons, and it looks exactly like this. If you take away the game UConn played versus Michigan, where they were sacrificed to go get a paycheck out of that game, they'd be the ninth team in the turnover, not the turnover plus minus, but ninth fewest turnovers. They also were wildly penalized in that game because they're so far out of their weight class. It's all they could do but hold every play. If you take that game away with Michigan, they're already 48th least penalized team. that would actually be 24th. They'd be a the top 25 least penalized team and almost the top 10 or top 5 almost, really, as it, as it comes to giving the ball away. You're up there with like the academies at this point. I was up there too. We'll talk about that shortly. But my point is, there's a huge list of pros to go with UConn. They haven't given up 28 points in a game since they went to North Carolina State. They've held anyone, everyone under four touchdowns. They seem to be real consistent in what they do. They can run the ball and not just in their weight class. And somehow, and somehow, they're able to win with a guy named like, I don't know, like Mike McClamrock at freaking cornerback. How do you do that? And Mike just played. Two A High School at some some place in Maine and wanted to keep the drive alive and still play football and somehow he is and they just keep winning. Now the con the Yukons on those side is they really don't have any talent for big they don't have any talent for big plays. They have no big play threat. The quarterback, Zion Turner, is not really that good. Their running back's not really that good. No one's really that good. But when you add them all together, they seem to be pretty goddamn good because they're the first team in the NCAA to eclipse the win total against the odds makers, Tulane being second. Then coming Kansas and LSU after that. So it's just incredible what Jim Moore has done. I will not hear anything other than he should be considered for coach of the year. I don't think he should win it, but I think he should be nominated. Just like I said, Bailey Zappi should go to New York. He should have went to New York. He should have won the Heisman, but he should have been nominated to go out there. Just broke all these records. I don't care who they played against. I could argue that both ways. Joe Burrow, of course, he's better than Bailey Zappi. But at the same time, LSU had a professional offense. Western Kentucky didn't. Their offensive line was horrible. So I they had to get rid of the ball in two seconds. If they would have had a decent, never mind, never mind. See, I have the capacity to go off on a team changing on that one. My point is that Jim Moore has done this the correct way. It is insane. It is amazing what he's done. And if any half-ass reporter with some goddamn blue check mark wanted to actually do their job like I consistently do instead of them, like finding the Bailey Zappies well before he even got to Western Kentucky when he was at Houston Baptist or finding the Cam Ward. So, of course, I was a little early on him. Make no mistake, they're still going to be good. And Washington State's still going to win more than five and a half games. And South Carolina's going to win more than six and a half. And Florida State's going to win more than six and a half. And Tampa's already going under 11 and a half. I went all my futures. Don't cuck me. But in this instance... It's just a beautiful thing, what is happening. And you just cannot get past this when you list the pros and cons to me, or the Yukons. The pros vastly outweigh the cons. And when it comes to the cons, they have nothing to do with anything other that that's just how they're built. It's not their fault. They had open tryouts, and they had kids come off the goddamn street to play because they don't have enough scholarships to not just beat Fresno State as a 20-point dog. But to beat Boston College, and God damn it, this week they play their big rival, Massachusetts. You're the next contestant on You're getting ass pounded. Come on down. Here comes UMass. This game before the season started, UMass was a seven and a half point favorite. A seven and a half point favorite. And now they're a 15 and a half point underdog. And there's a good goddamn reason why that is, pal, because this team is 50 times better. Then you mess. The total's only 40. When you have a low total and an underdog getting a lot of points, you almost have to go at the underdog because the score is so limited like in pro football. Good example would be the Texans and the Eagles tonight. When there's a low total and a dog getting points, conventional wisdom says you need to take the dog. There's not enough points to go around. I beg to differ. I think there's quite enough points to go around. The only problem is, pal, They're not going anywhere near UMass. Because I don't think UConn, I don't think UMass scores a touchdown. You heard me. I don't think they score a point. I think UConn blanks this team in a stage banner win for the season to get to 5-5 and almost be eligible for a bowl. And they will go to a bowl and do the absolute unthinkable, the unthinkable to beat a Vegas win total by four or five games. A team that was supposed to not even field the team goes to a bowl game. I'll go to that guy. I'll go to the game. I don't care. Give me some blue shit. Give me a Rip Hamilton jersey. Let's do it. I'm all in, Mora. I never do this. Take big favorites at home, double digits in conference. I'm doing it. Even though UConn doesn't have a conference, UMass will do everything they can to hold that football, but they're not going to have it long, pal. I think Connecticut wins this game 31 nothing, 31-7 at most. 31-3. 31 nothing. I'm laying the 15 and a half, pal. Don't tell me my business, Chief. God damn it. Let's go, UConn. Give me the Huskies. I'm cursing up a storm. Tommy Bench isn't happy, but I'm taking Connecticut. Minus 15 and a half. And speaking of not penalized teams, I'm segueing here. Let's talk about Iowa. Iowa finally coming off a game where they scored more than seven points in a football game versus Northwestern. And now they play their biggest nemesis, Purdue. Jeff Brom has owned this team when they play Iowa. Two years ago, the undefeated Iowa team given 14 to Purdue. Up there in Iowa, got monkey-boned. Once again, they could not figure this out. Receivers for this team always give these guys problems. It opened up at 4.5. It's not moving. It stays at 4.5, and, and it's going to stay that way. Purdue can't stop the run. They couldn't stop the one versus Nebraska. They're not going to stop the run versus Iowa. Iowa's the 4th the least penalized team in the country. They're ahead of the Naval Academy. So don't tell me Kirk Ferentz doesn't know what he's doing with what he has. Another guy that should probably be nominated for Coach of the Year every year. He also has white defensive backs that were one-star athletes trying to bang around with Michigan and Ohio State. Good luck with that. And yet, once every six years, they're finding their way to the Rose Bowl somehow. I don't get it, but it's incredible. We're taking Iowa on the road, getting the four and a half. And That's right. I don't bet a dog, lest I think they can win. I think Iowa wins this game. I think they blast them, actually. Give me the four and a half. I don't care what anybody says. And speaking of underdogs at home, are not on the road at home. Ooh, Central Florida. Ooh, they're really getting it going. No, they're not. Oh, they're ranked now. Rank these nuts. Suck on my yak. This team is garbage. Yeah, they win some games at home. Big deal. I faded them last two weeks ago in ECU. How'd that work out? And they go to Memphis. A Memphis team who almost staged... A 38-point comeback versus Tulane on the road. This Memphis team can go. They're poorly coached, but boy, they may have the best athletes in this conference. You're giving me three and a half points at home of what's happened in the past. I'll take any team Gus Malzahn has and fade them when everybody thinks they're good. Give me Memphis plus the three and a half in belts. Don't say it again. I don't bet a dog less I think they can win. Give me Memphis in the three and a half. I smell a money line parlay just to come in here. Quick recap, UConn minus the 15 and a half. Iowa plus the four and a half. Memphis plus the three and a half. Oh, and one more. Western Kentucky. How many times can I lose a game Western Kentucky's in? They can't score. They couldn't score, but 13 on North Texas got boat raced at home. Their offensive line's been decimated. It's finally healthy. And Charlotte, the team that destroyed Rice and Bro Exotic, that senior quarterback Reynolds is the same guy that threw for 6,000 yards on South Carolina, and he's back. This kid's a badass. He went nuts versus Weiss last week. He's going to go nuts again versus Western Kentucky. They will not be able to stop Austin Reed on the other end. I know I'm one for three with these guys. It seems like it's the same number every time. 72 and a half, and I'm taking the over. I think it goes over 100. Look on the Instagram page for an alternate total on 79 and a half plus 285. Suck on my yak if you don't like it. There's plenty of podcasts out there, pal. The world needs bartenders, too. Two weeks with pay. We're taking Iowa getting the four and a half. We're laying 15-and-a-half for UConn. We're taking the goddamn over again in Western Kentucky, 72-and-a-half. And we're taking Memphis plus the three and a half. and another thing. I got a few ones I'm waiting to pop on this Instagram page at the Sports Antelope Southern Millionaires University. I just can't get enough of these guys now, can I? The University of Houston can't stop anyone, like I said last week, but they can score it. I don't like Clayton Toon, but, boy, does he blow up in games that don't matter. He's cucked me more times than the milkman. I swear to God. But not this year. I'm starting to align with this guy. 66 and a half is the total. That's going to go down. That's an Instagram play versus Southern Millionaires. We're looking at the over. Louisville plays James Madison. Louisville coming up the biggest win in school history nearly. James Madison still kind of banged up. Their senior quarterback is going to play. <laughs> I happen to know some things inside happening with this game. Stay tuned. I don't know enough to put it on the podcast. They're laying seven and a half. Good chance we're taking that. At the sports end load. Utah, Arizona, Utah. The defensive powerhouse that can't stop me or UConn with a bunch of white people at wide receiver. Arizona seems to be able to score on everyone. So why can't they score on Utah? 68 and a half is where it is now. It opened up at 67 and a half. No, forget that. On the record right now. Arizona, Utah over the 68 and a half. Because that's only going to go up. Add that. I'll add that to the recap at the end. That is an official play. Arizona State. That's right. Arizona State going to play UCLA at home. Edwards got fired earlier. It's probably a good thing. This is a scrappy team at home. I think LA burns the lines here. Arizona State getting the 10 and a half. That's only going to go up. So we'll look at that on the Instagram page as well as the Cardinals Seahawks. I can't get enough of this. I can't lose again on that over. But this time, things are going to be different. I can almost guarantee you that. Only program. We're looking at them. 49 and a half. And there's a good chance, pal. I may take the Saints too just because... It just makes too much sense. The matchup is too good. Two and a half. The short dog at home. A juice on the Saints. This usually works out in the way of the short underdog at home nearly every time. On the record, UConn minus the 15 and a half. Get ready, you mass. They're going to shove that so far off your ass. Iowa plus the four and a half. Charlotte, Western Kentucky over the 72 and a half. Memphis plus the three and a half. Arizona, Utah over the 68 and a half. And for the Instagram page, look for Louisville minus the seven versus James Madison. Southern Millionaires, Houston over the 66 and a half, and also on the Instagram page, the Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Check us out on Instagram, at the Sports Antelope. Reach out, touch it, brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antelope today. There is no podcast like this out there. There is not one. With the dialed-in belts, with the drunk neighbor, Bro Exotic, and Tommy Bench, find me one that is better. You won't. You won't. That's right, I said it. Especially for the genre we're shooting for. If you gamble and you lean to the right, this is your show. If you gamble and you lean to the left, this is your show. And we'll take anybody in the middle. I don't care if you're super woke. You should be coming on just from Bro Exotic. Has anybody seen The Drunk Neighbor? Well, that's only... There's only one sound that makes. That is the sound of an ice-cold Miller Lite for the drunk neighbor as he comes into his Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. Let me go ahead and have him explain what we're going to talk about before we do it today.
2: Hey, before we dive into things, have you talked to a Bro Exotic about how he went to the world's largest cocktail party and he thought it was the world's largest cocktail party? <laughs> and he brought his pansexual partner and... Tried to get cucked in front of everybody. I did not hear this. <laughs> I I just read about it on some internet forums. You so. right. yeah, Everyone's talking about it. Yeah, Everyone's talking about it. Well, they got to see future... You uh, uh, <laughs> got to see Georgia, <laughs> at least, and play in Jacksonville.
1: exotic also had... I don't know if you remember. He also had Rice laying 16 points, who lost to Charlotte by 33. <laughs> the only bet worse than that all year is someone that had the under in North Carolina versus... Um, Appalachian State, and I think you know someone that did just that cocktail uh,
2: party. Uh, Got it. Uh, you don't want to play with your food, dude. Rice, <laughs> don't don't pick, don't pick rice, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, the cocktail party. I think that's pretty good. Drunk neighbor. I mean, there's
1: so much going on here. I'm, I'm going to try to stay out of your way. Obviously, the elephant in the room, no pun intended, is Alabama makes their trip to LSU. But there is so much happening in the SEC. We're going to give you a longer segment. So we're going to start off where you want. and we'll It's about add.
2: time, because what this show needs is more of me and less of you. <laughs> but this guy's fine. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, hey, look, I'm super excited to talk today, because this game coming up is a big one. I mean, I know LSU has, is going to be a huge underdog. Um, I think, what is it at now, 13 and a half? Yeah, right there. We're talking on Wednesday evening in that area. Um, a lot of people thinking that, Alabama's gonna cover that from what I've heard, other than the local media.
1: Which yes. is a little
2: scary. It is. It is. But here's here's where I, I see paths to victory. Um I, I think LSU's offense is a little better than people think. Like the, the constant these guys start slow every game, they don't know what they're well, maybe they're a counter puncher. Maybe they're Floyd Mayweather. You know, maybe that's that's what it is. Um I we've seen a lot of improvement out of uh Jaden Daniels the last few weeks. Um and he's a quarterback that can get away cuz I think the number one thing that we we have to worry about with Alabama uh when when we have the ball is um uh, the pass rush from Alabama is is pretty damn good. I feel and like they always have Yeah. That yeah yeah so we we've got um an offensive tackle two offensive tackles that are freshmen um you know so it, it's gonna be uh... so you you
1: mentioned the, the the point spread there i i kinda and i know i say this a lot all right i don't need to say it again, but if you're taking the twelve and a half or thirteen or even thirteen and a half points here, is this one of those where you think you still have to think lSU has to win? Or do you think it's one of the ones you can actually say, well, they're they're probably going to lose, but just by less than two touchdowns?
2: Yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, We've talked about it for a long time, like about what this season was supposed to be. Um, And now they're number 10 in the playoff rankings this (laughs) week. So it's. But I still think we need to temper expectations. What this game is about is getting those two offensive tackles a lot of great exposure in a big SEC game. Against a guy that is going to be probably a top five pick in the draft next year, as he lines up each each down, um, what I think it's going to be, it's a program building game. What you saw last year from Tennessee was they hung around in games like this, and then this year they they go in and they win them. So it's part of just kind of building and starting this program, and you know they've changed the culture and realigned everything, and people are now. You can suck my dick from the back if you think I just think that LSU is <laughs> going to lose this game. Just, I do think that they can hang in there and possibly win this thing. Like yeah. I, Please give me a break if you think that they're just going to roll over and die. I, I don't think that this is that type of team. They do have talent. Like There's dudes on this team. We've talked about it all year. And I cannot wait until Kayshawn Butte catches one right over that Eli Ricks, that... Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold had better reasoning than Eli Ricks. <laughs> and that scumbag who just went over there and has sat for most of this year, but apparently is finally getting his jersey dirty. Well, Saturday night when he has to match up against Kayshawn Butte, and sorry for yelling, Kayshawn Butte or Malik neighbors, it's going to be trouble. And I think if LSU can get down there and just hang sevens, don't try to kick field goals i i know it got us in trouble against tennessee going for it on fourth down and stuff like that i don't care i we should have deported that kid ramos last week <laughs> I think and he's I still think here he's I think... still in america but i think they did deport him but the the <laughs> the border is so open he found his way back put on his old jersey and he's back on the field but um you know i we don't really do chalk talk on this show but i i so i'm not going to go too far into detail about everything I just know that it's going to be one hell of an atmosphere, even if it's storming, raining, which it looks like it's going to yeah. be. Um, but you know what? Good.
1: When this line came out, and again, we don't want to get too deep into it, but when this line came out, I told you a few weeks ago I saw sixteen and a half, seventeen. 17. I was like, I wonder what it's actually going to be. So, of course, you know, LSU thumping on Miss is going to have an effect on what happens next. And when I saw 12.5 tinkering around 13, I kind of thought you'll probably get action on both sides because – We saw Alabama play Arkansas. We thought that was too many points. Arkansas got really close. Then you go take a shit, and you come back, and they're down by 30, right? (laughs) It was just like, wait, what happened? So they can do it quick, but I agree with you. I think if you are betting LSU in this case, you have to think they can stick around. And if you think they can stick around, then you have to think that they can win. And let's not forget, your buddies from College uh, Station, or what is it, College Station, Texas A&M, always got mixed up. They kind of gave Alabama all they wanted
2: for a little bit, too, so— I agree with you. LSU I gave Alabama everything they wanted last they year. Did. With they a, did. With a lame duck coach. Negative one rushing yards. Yeah, held them down. So, And guess what, man? There's this LSU defense is serious. Harold Perkins, I don't think he is going to see the sideline other than when LSU has the football. And supposedly they've worked in some packages where him and Ojalari are going to be on the field at all times. So when that happens... I mean, you've got two guys that are going to be future NFL stars on yeah. that team. Now, of course, you're lining up against a whole team of them. But yeah. I, I I just don't don't count this team out is all I'm saying.
1: Well, I kind of agree with you on that one. And, and I'll, I'll just – we have a lot to cover, so I'll just move it on. You can always wheel it back yeah. whenever you want. Let's get into before the – uh, the Georgia matchup here, Auburn. We have to talk about Auburn. Your friends down the street in Alabama. Well, you called it. Your boy wasn't gonna make it until November, and he didn't. <laughs> so you nailed that one too. I, I think that was a Halloween firing, correct? It
2: was. <laughs> just in time. <laughs> <It was> perfect. <laughs> Unbelievable. I was sweating that bet. Uh, the uh, so that's going to be a very interesting situation. So they lost three million dollars by firing him. If they would have, they got this far. Why didn't they just get through to the end of the month? Would have been. Uh, I don't understand what that program is trying to do. Um with, with, with see his face when he says that. With the higher and And so I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this from a different angle. Okay. The Auburn job is not a bad job. No. Nope. Uh right now people would say that it is the most difficult job because you play the SEC West plus you play Georgia. Yeah. So and you have to the compete you don't have like your own state like LSU does uh, any of that. So that makes it difficult. The SEC is about to realign with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. So that might change up. All right. So I'm I'm going to make a couple of points for Auburn here. Um so that may not always be that way where that is like the most difficult job on earth. It's still going to be difficult obviously. The is the best conference in football. It's not really that close. Um and then They do have brand new facilities coming in at Auburn, like brand new. They're going to have as good of facilities as anybody in the entire country. And then finally, they do have a war chest of NIL money that they can sink into this program. So it is not a bad job. So you keep hearing different names like Lane Kiffin, which, I I mean, I could see. uh, Wouldn't you like the real estate in Oxford a little more over there? You You think Auburn's a step up? Auburn has done it before. Auburn oh, has. That's a good point. There used to be a saying that there's two places you never ask an Ole Miss fan for directions to, and that's Omaha and Atlanta. <laughs> they finally got over that Omaha thing, but they still have not gotten over the Atlanta thing. Like they, 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 they never go. They hang banners for getting second place. In the SEC West, when LSU went in 2003, Eli fell down, (laughs) and then LSU goes on to win the national title. So it's just, I think it would be a better job. However, I don't know if that is the direction that they're going to go. One of the names that you keep hearing, and they're beating you over the head with it, and frankly, I'm a little sick of it, is Deion Sanders. Yeah. I- Listen, winning at the HBCU level is completely different. And I understand that he's like recruited and all this stuff, but if you're Auburn, that's what you just made probably the worst hire in the history of your university with the a guy from fucking Idaho who doesn't know a lick about recruiting in the South. You hired him, that was a disaster. So then you hire Dion, because he can supposedly recruit really well, I, you're not going to be able to just recruit your way out of this in a quick minute. Like, no. you're going to have to work the transfer portal, and you're actually going to have to be X's and O's like Brian Kelly has been for LSU and made them relevant this year. So, if I was Auburn, I would be calling up my friend in Pasadena, old Chip Kelly, and yeah. trying to get his ass down there and make yeah. that hire. That would be that would be i would make him tell you no that would be my if i was Auburn what i would do makes a lot of sense um actually i remember one of those guys in that coaching staff when LSU was playing Oregon when we
1: beat them out there in Texas uh, i was at a wedding in Seattle and I think it was Chip or one of those coaches said like we don't grow them like that down there or yeah. something. It's just, they were
2: talking about Kiki uh, Mingo. Yeah, they were like we don't have anybody that can run like forty nine.
1: No, no, we don't. And uh, Chip Kelly's interesting because he's made UCLA very relevant. I know most people don't like him because of what happened in Philadelphia. Let's not forget he went to the play- he won the Div- he brought him to the playoffs two years in a row when, when he was in Philadelphia. Before he kind of traded away good players for like a bag of chips.
2: It's, it's like like kind of weird. Bill O'Brien, they were just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't need you guys. Just take Hopkins. I don't need him. Yeah, yeah a I, lot of a people said
1: thing. that he has an ego problem. But, I, but either way, we can agree. He's a, that's a, And that's the only time I've heard anyone bring in Chip Kelly's name for that. So I like that because that actually makes sense to me. The Dion thing, look, I understand what that brings to the table, but I think that's a lot of sizzle. I don't think it's a lot of steak. And I agree. I, I don't know that's how that's a good con- way to yeah, put I, it. Because I, he certainly can do all these things and he's made the HBCU a lot of money. So the coaches hate him. Now, you see him try to dap the one coach, and he, like, pushed him off of the game. Oh, that's great. But So, anyway, so we have a lot of big games in the SEC here. I think you did want to touch on Georgia. I uh, did, but
2: I, I want to say, well, you know. This is your bit, man. We, we, can, just, we can save the Brian Kelly over all of these other coaches that people wanted, but I did want to make the point this week because Billy Napier is struggling a lot over there in Florida, having a lot of trouble, and I love watching him squirm. Because all the idiots here in Louisiana were like, "Oh, I want to just hire Billy Napier." You would hire that bald head, that that crew cut loser over the this pedigree that we have on our <laughs> sidelines now. And then also the other one was, "You're gonna hire an African American, hire Mel Tucker." Well, look how that's going. Real good. That's real good. And then you got players getting arrested for assault. That is incredible.
1: Matter of fact, that's not getting a lot of press at all. (laughs) I read into that. You know, Harbaugh wants them arrested, and they actually. Harbaugh's pushing for like a uh, arrest. Get them all out. Yeah, they, send them to they prison. Attacked? It wasn't. It was like a surprise attack. Yeah. What is this? The, the war? Unbelievable. Mel Tucker. I think the guy knows what he's doing to an extent, but whenever you hire someone because of their skin and genitalia, it's never going to work out. I mean, it's just not. No. What um, is this?
2: Harvard Business School? Yeah, no. exactly.
1: No, we would have went to Mel. I remember the Mel Tucker groanings. I'm like, I don't know about that one. That was
2: immediate. Uh, that's a no play for me. It's a Amediate. no play. What is what has he really done at Michigan? Uh, whatever. That's too easy. So wait. I want to. I'm sorry. We're gonna pivot very quickly here. Sure. So one of the more interesting games that I talked about last week, going into um, the Saturday, was Ole Miss versus A and M. One of the things that we did not talk about really was kind of the rivalry between Lane Kiffin. And Jimbo Fisher, like they got into it a little bit. Ah. Really obviously, and it sounded like Lane Kiffin was really defending Nick Saban a lot, like beforehand. Which <laughs> makes me a little confused. Like I know he's all his he offensive coordinator and everything like that, but like I, it was just like a really weird thing. And then they he called him like a joker or like a bozo or something like he called. He called Lane Kiff... Jimbo Fisher called Lane Kiffin a clown. A I clown. think that's what it was. Yeah. And I could not help but enjoy Lane Kiffin saying, well, maybe Jimbo is going as the Joker for Halloween <laughs> this year. <laughs> so I, I had to enjoy that. Um, if you are AM A&M, though, because I, I know there's a couple of A&M people that listen to this and they probably hate my guts. Oh, it's okay. But I will say this for them. They may have found a quarterback with that Wegman kid. It looked pretty good. Uh-huh. Uh, but... You're going to need a whole lot more than that you're going to need some new coaches that take over on that step, not head coach, like I said last week. I think Joe Brady would be a perfect fit there and be very scary for them but so I hope he doesn't go there. but I think that uh that there's going to be there's a lot of trouble there because that that ended their season right like there there's yeah. nothing that right. goes there um no, that was it, yeah, and you know and,
1: the excuses and, coming in on some of the message board are kind of I can buy injuries to an extent. But there's a certain point where you have to just say, all right, look, I mean, should we be losing to South Carolina the entire football game when yeah. their whole team is hurt too? They're missing seven starters when the season start. I don't hear Shane Beamer bitching about that. You know what's funny too? For the only time ever, and I, I don't know if you've noticed this, maybe you have, um, but it's almost one of the few times where the head coach – and all the fans kind of meet in the middle with the same excuses. Usually yeah. you just don't see that. No. You don't. And, and with I think Jimbo just reads the message boards. He goes, yeah, they're right. We're all hurt, man. And I just, uh, get your ass going. You ain't hurt, but that was somebody else. Thank I, you for that comment, Tex Seven. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens there. But didn't the and cover... Didn't they get in within three? It was three and a half at one point. I, I don't.
2: I didn't know what the spread was. I All they may I know have backdoored That they were their their season's over. And I was actually yeah. happy that Ole Miss won that game because I and listen, I'm not a fan of Ole Miss. I actually hope Lane Kiffin leaves there because the SEC West is hard enough when the Mississippi schools yeah. are not good. Having him being good, like let's get him out of there, right? Yeah. So um, I, I'm. I was, uh, but I was happy to see them win that game because, you know, strength of schedule for LSU. Obviously, we want them like that win after the next week. Them losing would look not that great, right? So, you know, I, I was happy to see that. Um, and you know what? Maybe the ship just needs to burn. And A and M fans took nothing but delight in LSU being in in uh, turmoil last year. So they can just. Sit in it. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: mean, well, clearly uh, after your bachelor party, when they lost to Florida State on a blocked extra point, and then I don't think anyone thought we'd be having this discussion now of these guys lining up number 10 in the playoff rankings, which is absolutely unbelievable, Uh, even to the haters or biggest fans. I don't think anybody would have really seen this coming, but it was pretty apparent where this team was when they went on some kentucky basketball run in a football game a 40 to 3 run or something you don't really see that in this sport too often so clearly you know they're not here to mess around and
2: and and to the idiots out (laughs) there talking about how oh they're overrated they're over who are you gonna put ahead of them tell me who you're gonna put utah that may (laughs) that's not gonna work maybe maybe who are you gonna put in fat burt in illinois you're gonna put them over here no Get a grip, <laughs> that uh, he's done what, a hell of a job. Though. What team are you going to put that's behind LSU ahead of them? Tell me that. Are you going to talk about Oklahoma State, who just got ran out there? I think <laughs> Kansas State and the Little Apple scored again just now. <laughs> that game was over immediately. So tell me who you think should be ahead of them, and I'll 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 concede. But I don't think there. I don't think anybody. anybody is at this. And time. guess what? It's made for TV, anyways. Just yeah. sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. Turn on Feinbaum. Listen to Legend and all the other fools. Squirrel and all of them yell uh, about it. Like that's what it's made for. It's early in the year. LSU's not going to be in the top ten for the until they beat Alabama. This yeah, thing. they beat but, Alabama. And, shit. I and mean. then they'll lose to Arkansas. Uh, that's right. right. That's how So it is the destiny. No, but I, I, I'm excited for the game this weekend. It sucks that it's going to be raining. Uh, but it is Saturday night in Death Valley. It's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. It's going to be wild. Uh, I think LSU does hang in this game. I'm not going to give a prediction. Uh, I'll give a prediction. Over under is like 58 or something? Yeah, I was thinking 30 to 27, Alabama. So 30 I think to 27?
1: Close. He's He's looking at a cover here. I kind of think it'll be close myself. Um, and then speaking of uh, you know the quarterback Jalen Daniels, I know you saw the stat. He has better stats than freaking Bryce yeah. Young right now.
2: How about that?
1: Against hard- actually against harder competition. Yeah. I know most people aren't ready for that yet, uh, but it's the truth. And he right now looks like he might be behind that guy Hooker. I was telling you, I have an apology to that guy because apparently if you give that guy an inch, he's gonna take you for a country mile. Seems like he does it every week. Kentucky. Found out what happened when they wanted to give the ball early to Tennessee. And they scored a lot of points early and the game was over. Exactly what I said couldn't happen happened right in front of my face, and I almost ruined Adam Iowa's wedding in Baton Rouge. How about that? <laughs> At least Iowa scored like 35 points. It was a monsoon of points for them against Northwestern. But I know you also wanted to touch on Georgia. Uh, There's a couple other things I think you wanted to, to bring into Yeah, it.
2: no, I, I just wanted to bring attention to the fact that this is a gigantic game, a uh, gigantic week in Who's, the SEC. Did you just slip
1: my mind like an idiot? Who's Georgia have? Tennessee. Ten, that's right. Oh, okay, got it. I couldn't pull it out. So that's Tennessee's that's number getting— one verse number one versus number three know, in the a, country. Danny, that's why it why pays to have good I know help around here. it's not in
2: Conference USA or It's the just not belt. in
1: the Sun Belt, bro. I can tell you who Troy's playing. I forgot it was Tennessee for like one second. So that's like eight and a half. Now let's talk about that real quick. Now I don't want—you can, you can get into what you think will happen with the cover. We always want your opinion on that when you want to throw it out. But do you think this is lined correctly? What do you see happening in this game? Do you think it's business as usual? Is Tennessee just going to throw it all over them? I mean, no. I, you don't think so? I, I, I hope you're right.
2: But I don't, and I actually think that this is where
1: this is it. Party's over. The party's rampant. over. It,
2: the, and you know what? That fan base needs a little humbling. Do. They do. They've jumped horrible. all over the. It's been ridiculous. Um, I, because guess what? Georgia's offense is also really good. Just because their quarterback sounds like he's playing the back nine at your local country club, Stetson Bennett, doesn't mean that they are not good. I mean, that team can play. They've got three tight ends that can all start in the NFL. And uh, their offensive line is ridiculous. I I just... You're seeing a lot of Tennessee money come in. Yeah. And Georgia hasn't
1: been playing that well. Remember, They kind of... They had that scare versus Kent State. Then they went to Missouri and could have lost. Let's be honest. Yeah.
2: I was it sitting Mavis, in your living room. Fat mevis missed the kick in <laughs> oh, Missouri.
1: I was sitting there watching this like, well, you know, clearly there's probably a goofy game. No, Georgia just kept going three and out. I mean, it was pretty simple. So uh, what do you think? You think Georgia double digits? Georgia puts it on them? Yeah, th-
2: I, I actually think that Georgia can work their ass. Like, I, I yeah. think that this is kind of the end of the line for Tennessee. Now, I, I would love to be wrong. I, I like kind of seeing Georgia lose, too. But I, I just... I I, don't, I hate Georgia. I don't think that I'm wrong there. I, I think yeah. Georgia's going to beat them. I, I don't think that that... I think this is... I'm And I'm so sick of seeing the comparison to LSU in 2019. Yes, the offense is fun to watch. But that was... NFL in 2000... LSU in 2019 was an NFL team, it basically. Was. Like, you just it go was look ridiculous. At, yeah, do you watch, do you watch on said, Sunday? Oh, well, the defense Well, The defense would have been able to carry a team to the title if they didn't have the offense that they did. Yeah. When you're scoring every possession in under two minutes, the defense is going to get a little gassed. They had...
0: The, yeah.
1: No, it's the same. It's what I tried to explain. It, it, it kind of translates to the NFL. When you're... Chazon,
2: Fulton, Phillips, Delpit... It goes on and stingly. It goes on and on and on. There are so many NFL players on that defense. So give me a break. Well, every time you score. that is a tangent. No, 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 you're
1: good. But every time, it's like kind of with the Saints when they had this high-powered offense. Their defense was still good. But like you said, when your offense scores in two minutes, you're doing a lot. Not only you're tiring them out, you're giving the other team more possessions. We yeah. don't need to be a, a genius to know more possessions will probably mean more points. That's just how it works. But the defense isn't going up to Joe Burrow and say, "Hey, man, stop cucking. We're trying to get a rest." Mm-hmm. I, I pray they're probably like, "Nice throw, white man." Yeah, Talk especially white at man LSU. The LSU's
2: defense is like, "Wait, we have a we could score." <laughs> Wait, what do you mean here? And now look at <laughs> it, look at us now. So I'm really excited for this weekend. I this is going to be like. These are the Saturdays that we like dream about during the summer, and we're just sitting there with nothing to do, watching baseball. So I, I, it cherish. You gotta cherish it. I gotta cherish it. You need to cherish it, drunk neighbor. I gotta run back. I think Mrs. Belts
1: is already. I think the dinner bells are ringing for me. I gotta go watch our kid and be a responsible father. I think. But anyway, anything you want to close with?
2: Go Tigers. Go
1: Tigers. We'll see. Is it official? Thirty to twenty-seven. Are we sticking with that?
2: Yeah, but I'm not saying. You're
1: uh, not saying what team? <laughs> I like it. All right, we'll see you next week, buddy. Go back.
3: Are you a white person who wants a lot of credit for helping to create racial equality while you do nothing to help create racial equality? If so, that means you want to be a woke white person. So listen up, because I'm going to give you your PhD in wokeology.
1: Bro Exotic joins the sports antidote here. What's going on there, pal? Uh, what's going on, dude?
4: Bro Exotic? Vice President of Cal, Church of Woke, hashtag women's rights. What's going on, dude?
1: Sick. Well, nothing much, man. Actually, I was just kind of thinking about what happened last week. Charlotte Rice. Bro, that was a tough one, man. That was a tough one.
4: Uh, Yeah, dude. Uh, the charlatans uh, definitely showed up. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take that L, dude. It was all on me. I uh had to check my white privilege. Uh
1: Huh, did you now?
4: As a uh, as a white uh, person who closely resembles a male, uh, I have to uh, respect the fact that the patriarchy has to go down. Uh, I put my judgment too harshly on a team that is trying to identify as the San Francisco 49ers. I put my doubts in that because they were one in seven going into a game with a new head coach, uh, under an away game, but apparently they can identify as the San Francisco Forty ers and went out right uh, by a large margin. So. I'm going to take it, that out. We're going
1: to move on. 51 points, actually, if you look at the amount Charlotte won by and the amount of points they were giving, or getting. But that's okay, though, bro, because we know there's always another week, always another dollar to be made. I don't know where you're going, but I look forward to hearing it. So why don't you just go ahead and take us away?
4: Well, dude, uh, we had a major uh, major travesty happen last week, dude. Uh, the mini-insurrection mini at the uh, Pelosi household. Um, <laughs> what? All, Paul Pelosi, uh, husband of strong woman, Nancy Pelosi, (laughs) was uh, violently struck with a hammer after a man who had identified as a man uh, broke into that house and uh, hospitalized uh, strong woman, Nancy Pelosi's uh, husband, Paul Pelosi. And after the fact, Kentucky Senators Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell, along with Fox News and all the other cisgender, anti-Semitic cucks out there, hashtag Kanye, hashtag Ben Shapiro, uh, start accusing Democrats of using this tragedy uh, for political misdirection. Well, belts, let me tell you something. We're not only going to misdirect our votes away from Republicans next week uh, for the midterms. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to direct our focus on betting Mizzou at home plus two and a half uh, against these
1: Kentucky cucks. Kentucky. Wow, bro, exotic taking. A short in conference underdog, Kentucky coming off a beating, Missouri coming off a huge win at South Carolina. But bro, I have to tell you, I am not a big believer in Missouri.
4: You know uh, I just yeah,
1: uh, what? What net? No, wait, are you uh, insurrections in honor? Not to No, I think the insurrection happened. It was you know, we saw the videos of it on television for two years. I mean, you know,
4: no, no, no. I'm clearly I'm talking about the insurrection in Knoxville on October fifteenth. <laughs>
1: the Alabama insurrection. Yes. Are you, are you, a, are you a <laughs> Knoxville insurrection denier now? I am not. I am not one of those guys. I, I recognize the Tennessee October 15th insurrection in Knoxville. Full, full force. <laughs> All
4: right, dude. Is that a check? Have Point to check take. That one real quick.
1: Go ahead. Point. But take look, dude, anyway. I mean, look,
4: not, not only that, dude, look, I, <laughs> I've, uh, I've taken the initiative and in, uh, uniting the global woke conglomerate uh, to invest in mass producing Buffalo right wings franchises. And this is Kentucky, hashtag VR dubs, uh, where our motto, as you know, is beer sports, dismantle the patriarchy, hashtag women's rights. Uh, so uh, we're doing this to not only unleash Antifa style anarchy upon the racist, anti vaccine state of Kentucky, uh, we're also doing this to reign supreme as the, uh, the chicken empire of Kentucky beating out K- uh, Kentucky fried chicken.
1: Wow, there's a lot going on here. Buffalo Wild Wings is now coming into Kentucky. So you will simultaneously kneecap the football team in Missouri whilst taking the Colonel's business in Kentucky. Is this what I'm hearing? Yes, dude. And uh, It's a brilliant all... plan, bro. It's brilliant,
4: I have to yeah. say. All to long con uh,
1: to finally turn Kentucky blue. Uh... <laughs> Seems a little capitalist, but that's okay. Um, I cannot wait to see the Buffalo Wild right Wings sprouting I'm sure there'll be a few in Louisville, right? I'm pretty sure they have a couple in there. If not, we need to get a couple there, especially after the last couple of years. But do you have a plan of execution for Buffalo right Wings, or is it just kind of to be determined until we figure out what happens on Saturday? How's that work? Uh, I don't know. We're pretty much taking, uh, telling them what, that we're, uh, we're going to own the land
4: and, uh, we're going to promise to feed them. Uh, it's kind of like the North Korean approach. Uh, <laughs> So we're just going to take all the land and we're going to uh, mass produce these Buffalo right wings. And we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to bring uh, a lot of peace and prosperity to the state of Kentucky. Uh, hashtag uh, Kim Jong-un.
1: Yes. Never a dull moment. So just for the record, you are taking Missouri plus the two and a half at home. And that is what your pick is. You're rolling with that final answer.
4: Absolutely. Dude. Hashtag cancel Kentucky. Uh, and, uh, our thoughts and work prayers uh, to the Pelosi uh, family, uh, especially to you. Paul Pelosi, uh, husband of strong woman Nancy Pelosi. Uh, hashtag women's rights, and uh, that's where we're gonna go with, bro. bro Miss you exactly. at home plus two and a half. I,
1: I do. I'm sorry. I do have one question. Did you say Paul Pelosi was hit by a hammer with from a man, or did you say he was hit by a man's hammer?
4: Uh, <laughs> The, the the uh the individual
1: <laughs> who identifies as a man uh, struck him with a hammer. I didn't know if hammer was a literal sense for something else, but you mean the actual murder weapon. Got it. Yes. All right, well, best of luck to Paul Pelosi. And, bro, best of luck to you. I do disagree with your pick, but you know what? I'm right. I'm wrong all the time. So you seem to also kind of go below 500, then get back to 500. So it's right in your mantra. Things yeah, should dude.
4: work. Uh, just, uh, you know, same record as the Saints, too. So, uh, we can only go up from here.
1: That's right, brother. I
4: appreciate it. All right, bro. Anything you want to close with? Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, no joke. Stay woke. Hell, Fauci. Uh, see you next week, dude. Hashtag North Korea. <laughs> Hashtag Women's Rights, dude. Check. U.N. and OAS,
0: they have their place, I guess. But
1: first, send the Marines. Tommy Bench joins the Sports Analyst. What's going on there, bud?
3: Much, chief. lot to talk about. lot to talk about.
1: Yes, there is. I'll tell you what, why don't you go ahead and just take us right on away? Because I don't want to talk about the Eagles or the Phillies just yet, so go ahead. No, no,
3: and there's still a lot of damage those teams can do. um, (laughs) uh, The the current game going on this evening, notwithstanding. So, as people can imagine, I'm going to want to talk about the upcoming midterm election. Now, there's too many races to handle, but we'll, we'll speak big picture, and then we will get into a couple of specific races. And I'll share some places where I've actually put some money down on the website Predict It that we've talked about. You should definitely go check that out if you want to throw a little money down on these various races that are out there. Okay. How would I capture the overall tone? If if you said, you know, Bench, point to one article that you've seen recently captures the overall tone. Believe it or not, it's a CNN article. I know. I know. Some of you are shocked. You think I don't even know how to get to that website. But believe it or not, I do and this one is particularly prescient because it's a CNN article that says is the bottom dropping out for democrats this is their way of when the red wave hits cuz it looks like it's hitting and and not only does it look like we've you know as we weeks ago that we've the momentum has swung back to republicans it appears the momentum is continuing to build which is That's really how you get a wave. It's not just that you like get momentum and then you maintain high momentum and then the election occurs. It's you want to be on an upward trajectory. And I'll I'll be honest, I didn't even think we would get to the point that we are at now where it it appears that every day the polling is coming out showing that Republicans are building momentum. So the the only reason CNN puts out an article like that is so that after the horrendous midterms for the Democrats, they can point to something and go, oh, well. You know, we're honest brokers. Look, we even wrote an article talking about how <laughs> bad it was going to be for the Democrats. Uh, when in reality, we all know everybody at CNN is cheerleading for Democrats and is going to be horrified once Republicans absolutely clean up. OK, so let's make a final futures prediction on the House. Where are we going to land? I'm going to predict we land at 240 seats. 240 <laughs> seats. And I'm not going to say, oh, give or take. Nope. Either I need to be right or I need to admit I didn't nail it. I Maybe myself. A spread of two seats in either direction. I think that's fair. So basically, what I'm saying is anywhere between 238 and 242. Now, what I'd like to see an outside shot is is you know 245 or more, but that's an outside shot. I think a safe sweet spot if you if you're going to place money is somewhere in the 238 to 242 range. And, and the reason I say that is one, we're starting from we're say back in 2010. That's the wave that a lot of people want to point back to and say, oh, look, we gained 63 seats. What if we gain 63 seats this time? Here's the problem. In 2010, we were starting at 178. All right. That was the fewest number of seats that Republicans had had since before the 1994, um, you know, Republican revolution led by Newt Gingrich. So they started 178. You had a huge wave election and that resulted in 242 seats, a, a net swing of about 60 some seats. I, I don't think we're in a position to pick up 60 some seats now. We're already at 212. And from all the prognosticators and real clear politics and folks like that, they're essentially predicting it's, it's almost a guarantee. The question is, how big a majority? So, again, yeah. I think we'll land right at about that 240, 242 number, which would be on par with the 2010 elections in terms of final outcome, not necessarily in terms of how many seats are won. Because, again, we're starting from a st- than we were in, and when I say we, I'm referring to Republicans. I'm a partisan hack. I admit it. We're starting from a much stronger place. Let's go into the Senate. The Senate's a little more, because Real Clear Politics says the Senate is going to end it. Republicans with 54 seats. <laughs> I'm, I I want to believe it. I do, and I want to believe those few voices out there saying you know it could go as high as 56. I want to believe 54, but I just. Something in my gut tells me something's not going to work out in one of the states we needed to work out in. Something, you know, does something not work out in Pennsylvania? Does something not work out in Georgia? Ron Johnson, while he appears to have, have pretty much solidified a win, does something funky happen in Wisconsin? Uh, and I'm, I'm not honestly, I'm not even getting to the, the fraud or anything. I'm just, you know, does something happen? Uh, you know, do Republicans, suburban white women not swing back to the Republican Party as it appears they are in most jurisdictions? Uh, are his, do Hispanics not flock over to Republicans in high enough numbers? Do African-American voters continue to support Democrats in the high percentages that they previously had? And, you know, any one of those things, let alone if two of those things, don't go the way prognosticators think they might. And I think Republicans end up with a miss in, you know, Georgia or Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin. You might have thought, well, why isn't he mentioning Arizona? Because Arizona is where I put my money where my mouth is. In fact, <laughs> that is the one race. And it's it's a combination of one. I genuinely think the Republicans have a strong ticket out there. And Carrie Lake is she's winning that she is. If she doesn't, I will think there's fraud. I just she's running such a strong campaign. She's so dynamic, momentum, enthusiasm, all the things are on her side. So then, when I looked at the the Senate race, I, I thought, well, which ones give give the best chance for value? I think Blake Masters right now is sitting at fifty four cents, and again, for folks who might be new, predicted his website where you quote, buy a share on a scale of zero to one dollar. Guess if you buy the correct share, in other words, yes, Blake Masters will win. Then when that market quote resolves, you get paid out a dollar for every share. So if you buy a share at fifty four cents, and then you you get paid a dollar. When you win, you, you can see the spread there. That, that's how you make money. Obviously, if you lose, you get paid nothing. So I bought in at 54 cents. It's hovering right at 54 cents. It was the combination of place where I saw the most value with one. I'm, I'm pretty confident he's going to win. Uh, the other race that I might see value in from a wagering standpoint would be the Nevada race. Now, predicted he's up to uh, 75 cents. Uh, And that's Adam Laxall, former attorney general out there, uh, former naval officer. The guy's got a very impressive resume. He's he's like one of these candidates that comes out of full family, tall, good looking. like he's he's the full package, articulate, uh, you know, good campaigner is is. But it's kind of hard to paint him as a true hardcore like MAGA Trump acolyte. Uh, Whereas Blake Masters does have a little bit more of that baggage in Arizona, but I just saw a little bit more value there in Arizona uh, since Blake Masters is at 54 cents. I do think he's going to win, but I don't know. I just think one of these other states is going to disappoint us. Now let's look at the out. So Ben, you've told us you think we're going to land at 50. How could we possibly, possibly get to 54, 50? I mean, 54 would be Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, Arizona. All those plus all the ones that are assumed to be Republican. We we run the table on those four plus all the ones that are assumed to be Republican. You're talking a 54 seat. Well, how how do we even how do we even talk about six seats? Now you need to start looking at believe it or not believe it or not Washington. Even though right now predict it has it at 84 cents for the incumbent Patty Murray, who's absolutely awful. Um, and I do think she's going to win. I don't think she's that much of a lock, but I do think she's going to win. Uh, New Hampshire, it probably goes, it, the conventional wisdom probably goes New Hampshire than Washington. But I almost think it's more likely Washington could go just because, again, enthusiasm, momentum, the Republican candidate out there, she's a great candidate. She's a, um, a wife of an army veteran, a disabled veteran who got injured. And she's a, she's a veteran's care advocate. Um, good-looking family, like all the things that play, she is that, and she's a she's a good candidate. So I would almost say Washington before New Hampshire, but New Hampshire's had a lot of polls come out lately that have really showed an narrowing of the race. And one thing that's odd about New Hampshire is you have a governor up there, Chris Sununu. He's going to win by 18 or 20 points. Republican governor, he's going to win by 18 or 20 points. But he hasn't really been too helpful to Doug Bulldock the republican nominee for senate he thinks he's a little too trumpy he's been somewhat keeping his distance so it's it's a little frustrating that you got a governor who essentially could stand to lose. he could stand to give up eight or ten points and still win comfortably and maybe help a fellow republican across the finish line uh and and in fact there's some uh, animosity towards sununu because a lot of washington republicans were really pushing hard for him to run for senate and in fact i think if he would have ran for senate he would have won new hampshire Easily. So it's a little disappointing that he didn't do that. So all of that to say, my gut says Washington might be a better pickup chance in New Hampshire, but conventional wisdom would point to New Hampshire. I think either are a stretch. Either are a stretch. Now, you know, Monday morning, a slew of come out. I would think New Hampshire would be one of those states that's getting hit hard by pollsters. We'll, we'll see what it says. And, and who knows? Maybe there could be some value there because right now, on predicted, it still shows 63 cents for the Democrat. And usually the way predict it works is in the market, if it's 63 cents, for if it's a binary choice, one or the other, for instance, it's 63 cents for the Democrat and it's 40 cents for the Republican to win. So who knows? Maybe some polling comes out Monday. Maybe there's some value there worth capturing. Keep an eye on that. Let's get into the gubernatorial races. All right. I'm going to call this Arizona's a lock. Carrie Lake is winning in Arizona. Yeah. Period. Full stop. Um, when, when you even go to where it is on predict it and you look up the Arizona governor race, I think they've got her in uh at 81 cents. I mean, essentially, that's people betting money saying she's a lock. Florida, DeSantis. Now, you're why are you even talking about time Everybody knows ronda DeSantis is going to win Florida, Ron Santos is going to win Florida by 16 or more. That's my prediction, and in fact. The reason I say that is they're still cutting ads and his latest ad that went up on Twitter um, it just had soft piano music in the background and it was all a positive ad. It was all a, you know, the free state of Florida and it had pictures of people just outliving their lives and doing, it was just a feel good ad, didn't even reference his opponent. It made it seem like he wasn't even running against anyone else. It was totally just a feel good stand with Ron. Ron's our guy. He'll keep the state of Florida free lots of shots of his wife and his family it was just a really good ad and the fact that he's able to run and they're still running ads like that I think he, he wants to hang he wants to hang 20 points on on Charlie Crist Chris. I'm calling it 16 16 or more okay um, it's it's six the line is 16 and I'm taking the over on that one
1: yeah I think that's about right I mean that doesn't seem I mean It shouldn't, I guess, be that close by definition because of how many Democrats are still registered in Florida, even though a lot of Republicans have come out, you know, and registered. But I just think he's I think he's popular with a lot of Democrats that just won't admit it. I think that's happening a lot, too.
3: They'll never admit it. But to all the people who fled to Florida, um, uh, you know, frankly, I think and this I'll make this prediction. He will win his race by more than Abbott wins his race. Yeah, that's I'd, something you can wow. <laughs> take to the bank. Right. And and if you would have said that 10 years ago, if you would have said, you know, in 10 years, the political winds will shift where a Florida governor in the same year will win, win by a larger margin than the Texas governor will win his race. You, you'd, have, you'd have been like, nah, man, you're smoking crack like the former Democrat yeah. gubernatorial candidate from 2018 who was found with a male prostitute doing meth off each other. Um, hmm. So now, let, let's move on to sort of the next tier of states. So we say Arizona's a lock, Florida's a lock. New York, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. I can't believe I'm saying this. There's a better chance of picking up New York than Pennsylvania. <laughs> Flat out true.
1: That, that is so I, – I don't know if that's an indictment on New York going the right way or how ridiculous Pennsylvania has the ability to be. It, One of those it's, Actually, you know what it
3: is? Believe it or not, there's a cor- corollary and candidate quality matters. Uh, Kathy Hochul is an awful candidate. She's just terrible. She's never won a real election. She, she, she was elevated to the governorship. Nobody pays attention to who the Lieutenant Governor is. If you get nominated to be the Democrat Lieutenant Governor uh, gubernatorial candidate in New York, you're gonna be the Lieutenant Governor, okay? So she made it You know, probably out of a weak primary. She, she probably had the right backers who invested money in her Lieutenant Governor race and then cuz you know Andrew Cuomo can't keep his hands off the help she gets to become the governor. So she's never run a serious race and she is showing she is an awful candidate. Now you say well how does this how does this correlate to Pennsylvania? In the Pennsylvania gubernatorial race, they have the Democrats have been successful in painting Doug Mastriano as being too far right, too much of an election denier, too closely associated with Trump. All the all the negative things that get moderate Republicans and you got to keep in mind A Republican in Pennsylvania is not the same as a Republican in Texas. Okay, so you've got a lot of moderate Republicans or people who genuinely think of themselves as independent. They're just not going to vote for Doug Mastriano. He's too closely associated with Trump. And while Trump still seems to have a fair bit of popularity in Pennsylvania, it's not enough to get a weak candidate, a weak first time candidate who doesn't have the backing of the establishment as much as conservative activists probably loathe hearing that. It's the truth. Look, it helps if you have the backing of the establishment in once the general election rolls around. In addition, while Josh Shapiro, the no relation to Ben, while he I think is a lot further left they're they're able to somewhat portray him as not as that far extreme left. Right. And and he it's ending. It it, it doesn't say that he's shunning Fetterman, but he just seems to be trying to run his own race. He doesn't want to be associated, but he doesn't want to insult anyone who's enthusiastically voting for Fetterman. But he doesn't want to seem to be too closely associated. And again, candidate quality matters. Josh Shapiro is running a good, a good, disciplined campaign. You, you haven't. While there's plenty of things out there about how he's soft on crime, and I, and you know, he endorsed drag queen story hour somewhere. In this current election cycle. I don't think there have been the sharp missteps that other candidates have had, say, in debates. Like when Kathy Hochul said, I don't know why you keep bringing crime up and making it such a big deal. Well, <laughs> you know, people are getting shoved in front of subways. Woman, what, I mean, what, well, what do actually,
1: me, Tommy Bench, I'm sorry. Joy Behar on The View recently said that crime's actually down. Did you happen to see that?
3: It, it is. And, you know, yeah. that that brilliant criminologist known as Joy Behar and the rest of the cackling hens on the view um you know so so again i think new york we have a better chance to pick up in new york and by the way lee Zeldin has actually turned out to be a really solid candidate again he's running a disciplined campaign he's focusing on the issues he's hammering away at the issues he's not getting distracted by sideshows he is proven to be a quality candidate i mean and he's one of those guys that i don't think the establishment they were thinking out you're lighting your money on fire now the establishment is kicking in and helping out so new york more likely pennsylvania the next tier of states I would look at Michigan and even New Mexico. Now I would love to sit here and tell you Michigan is a lock and we are going to throw overgroup and storm fear Whitmer out of office. Cause she is the worst, the condescension that drips from everything. She says, looking down on, you know, regular people looking down and dictating how you're going to live during the pandemic. Oh, she's, she's awful. She's, and together, she says it with well, that she takes that smile. party down
1: to Florida. Didn't she go down there a couple times? She, did.
3: she went to Florida while her state was locked down. So I'd love to see Tudor Dixon beat her. She's another candidate that I think the establishment has been surprised how well she's done um, in the general election. She's closing the gap. I just don't know if she gets there. New Mexico. New Mexico's kind of all happened. It's a weird state. You'd think. A lot, of, a lot of sort of lower income whites in New Mexico, you'd think there'd be a lot of place for Trump popularity, and a little bit of the sort of conservative populist that goes along with, you know, the, the MAGA movement or America First movement, whatever you want to call it. But New Mexico has been pretty solidly democratic for the past four to six years, although they did have a two term Republican governor and uh, Ron Johnson, in, in recent memory. However, you've had a, you've had polls come out, I mean, within the last five days, One shows that the Democrat who's an incumbent is up by seven points. Another shows the Republican challenger up, up by two. So I I don't know what to make of that. While there's probably value there in terms of um, there's probably some, uh, some slack in terms of, you know, predicted as I'm just scrolling through here. I don't even know if they have it up on, yeah, New Mexico, they show the Democrat is up at 76 cents. I just, I don't know if I'd throw money on that. I think that's too heavy a lift, but it's worth paying attention to. So, all right, going into election, election night. First of all, if you're listening to this and you haven't voted or you don't have a plan to vote on election day, you need to stop what you're doing and either go early vote tomorrow, Republican, straight ticket, or you need to make a plan to vote on election day. Okay? That's what you got to do. Just stop, pause, make a plan, and then come back. So to wrap things up, how are we going to know? Look, again, a slew of polling will come out over the next few days. You'll try to see prognosticators talk about, well, there's long lines in the southwest corner of Cuyahoga County in Ohio, and that indicates, and yada, yada, and all that sort of stuff. First of all, you don't know until the polls close. We are going to get early indicators. And here's the early indicator, I think. If the polls close and they don't call New York within the first 30 minutes. Yeah. That's how you're going to know.
1: That's a problem for them.
3: If they don't call New York in the first 30 minutes in the New York gubernatorial race. Now, interestingly, Chucky e. Schumer is up for re-election, but he's he's showing solidly up by eight to ten points. Now, if they don't call his race in the first 30 minutes, I I mean tsunami isn't strong enough to explain what will happen. But I don't I don't think that's likely. But if that New York gubernatorial race goes on 30 minutes, an hour, uh, and I believe polls close there at eight o'clock Eastern time, so you know seven o'clock Central. So by You know, eight, nine o'clock at night, you're going to have a real good sense of what the rest of the evening is going to look like. And and New York will give us that preview. So will New Hampshire in their Senate race. And, you know, New Hampshire being a smaller state uh, could really give us some insight. And then again, I mean, Florida, Florida just being a well run state. Remember, they they were able to report election day results, election evening. It didn't take election month. You know, Pennsylvania is going to embarrass themselves again and take three weeks to sort things out. But you know, you see Ronnie DeSantis there, hanging twenty points on Charlie Crist. You see New York not getting called within the first thirty minutes. We're we're looking at a serious red wave, and and maybe we'll have to do a snap podcast and adjust our predictions upward.
1: Yeah, we probably could. And by the way, what's her name in New York? Hochul is that it? Hochul. I've heard it pronounced Hochul and Hochul. I've heard. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to say one thing. You know, you really have a cabbage ball if you're hurt. You have a man that was wildly popular, get run out for doing things that he couldn't do. And the person they put in is a female. Like the only thing you can do now is like get caught doing blow with an 11 year old boy and not be able to stay in office because you're a woman. You're in the far left. You just got just kicked a man out because of what he did to women. And she still has failed unbelievably. Like I know two conservative, excuse me, two people in New York They don't know each other. One's in Staten Island and one's kind of upstate. They're both voting for the Republican for the first time in their life. And I went to college with one. I used to live with another one and they won't put that on Facebook, but it right. is, you know, it is kind of anecdotal of course, but like, I think there's a lot of people that are going to lie in these exit polls too, man. I really do. And I think it, you might, you may be right. I think she there's a good chance she could lose or at least a way better chance than let's say two or three months ago.
3: Oh, 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 two or three months ago, this election's held. She's not even worried.
1: But, yeah.
3: Again, credit to Lee Zeldin. He's keeping the enthusiasm up. Um, and, and I think what a lot of candidates, you got to give Trump credit. I mean, having campaign events has been around longer than Trump. But Trump's ability to turn campaign events into, like, WWE-type events, you know, high energy with the music going and coming – like, I, I think candidates are taking a page from that. I mean, I've seen um, Carrie Lake out there in Arizona uh, come out to – you know, they've, they've got smoke machines and lasers going – it's just it's it feels fun. It's not like a stodgy. Let right. me get up here and tell you about my forty-five point plan or, or forty-five days, forty-five point plan, like Michael Scott about how to fix the economy, right? They're high-energy uh, people, look uh, fun, and then the media has to cover it, and then social media covers it, and it just you know it gives you it gives you a momentum, but then also the sense of momentum, and sometimes the sense it's one of those you know is perception reality or reality perception kind of things. If you perceive momentum, I think that could pull you over the line to say, well, I'm going to vote for them. I don't don't want to vote for a loser.
1: Yeah. So Yeah. Well, um, it's going to be interesting either way. Yeah, but definitely. So, well, good projections there. I hope you win some money. Uh, Very good analysis, especially on (laughs) this New York race is going to be, and I do agree with you. If they can't call that thing, before the sun goes down here in Central Time, it's probably not good. Um, no, I,
3: I will say this. I did put 140 down in that New York race, and the payout would be 464
1: I like so, it. That, that was kind of my
3: throwaway, but bulk of money about about 3 k is on who's going to control the Senate at 2 and then which party wins the Arizona Senate race. Those, you know, that guy's the-
1: on the road. It's just like you're taking a road dog in college football. I do it all the time. I like it. I like it, too. Yeah, man, he's certainly not. That's not his home court. Let's hope it is one day, though. Anyway, all right, Bench, we'll see what happens with uh, all these predictions. We look forward to having you on next week, bud.
3: All right, out here.
1: Later. Thanks for joining the Sports Analyst episode number 124, the pros and the Yukons. Look, guys, sometimes you've got to make tough decisions, you know. And I think the best thing to do is to factor yourself out of it, particularly if you're doing a pros and cons on thing that don't involve you, but somebody else, just my 10 cents or two cents or 20 cents, however many cents. Thanks to coach O for jumping on the podcast, That drunk neighbor coming in with another solid rip roaring LSU SEC review. It's like the Paul Feinbaum show and all in one. It's great in less than 20 minutes. Tommy bench. Thanks for coming on to talk about his Political picks, the way he's getting it in, I like it. And thanks to Bro Exotic. Reach out, touch it, brother. Tell somebody about the sports antidote today. Keep it real. Antidotes.